Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. You know, the symbols and where they come from and the meaning, the subtle meaning they have to me was also an inspiration for the collection. You know, I really want people when you're having a tough time or, or when, when you're not feeling so strong or when you, you are feeling like a rock star, you know, you're wearing something that has a subtle symbol that subconsciously reminds you, you know. That was Elizabeth Moore, my guest for today's Jewelry Navigator podcast. Elizabeth's new collection explores a deeper meaning of symbols she feels strengthens the important connections in our lives. Our conversation starts from a mention she made I picked up on during our in-person meeting a couple weeks ago while I was at the JA New York show, where she mentioned the concept of the circle of fifths as an element in her new collection. Her perspective on fashion gives her a bird's eye view of how trends work and how to make the most impact with the mission she shares with her jewelry designs. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy her story. It's so inspirational and I love how she shares what she's doing to navigate today's retail landscape as an independent designer. I was doing some research as I was Editing the little clip that I took from you sharing your jewelry with me last week at JA, I was listening to what you were explaining to me, what's behind the messages in how you choose five stones versus, you know, three, seven, four. What did you call it? The circle of fifths? Yeah, Right. The circle of fifths, I mean, you know, just because I was a musician, it's a musical term. It's a premise. It's a, it's a premise in music where it's, it's, it's kind of a complicated um, way of explaining it, but it's just, it's called the circle of fifths and it's a way of doing the flat and it always comes back. But I have this obsession with the number five. So anything with that, the circle of fifths is always in my mind because as a musician, if you read music, you, you're taught like your scales and you're talking about the circle of fifths and that kind of thing. So, you know, the number five and the circle of fifths are all kind of, they're all linked in together. Mm-hmm. And even like the star is usually, we do an eight point star, but we also have a five point star. So um, they're all just like, you know, related that the meanings of each of those things, like 
the infinity sign and the circle of fists, they all have these meanings behind them. Like, you know, number five being the number of humanity and it, it means unpredictable and independent and, you know, infinity also means empowerment and, and things beyond eternal things that are forever. So, Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of all related in a weird way of symbols that, that give you some kind of feeling and evoke a, a response. Let's yeah. step back a little bit and tell us about yourself, you know, where you started and how you got to New York and a little bit about your journey of where you are now and where you're going. Yeah, it, it's, I kind of got to being a jewelry designer in, in an unusual way. I, you know, I wasn't that woman that started out going to design school, but I was always an artist and, you know, my early background was, um, you know, I trained as a ballet dancer and was very focused and serious in that pretty much my whole life upbringing in North Carolina. And, you know, even though I wasn't raised in an artistic, you know, my parents weren't professional artists, they completely supported me, my whole family. And, and when I was growing up, you know, it wasn't like people would say, oh, I'm going to be a ballerina or a singer. And people like, okay, great. Like it is now. Parents Mm -hmm. are so supportive. People weren't really doing that. So, and then I went to school, to college, you know, I was accepted to North Carolina School of the Arts, but I ended up not going there. And I, I went on and went to college out West and was a ballet major and theater major. And then I had a, a career ending injury, which, um, started this whole other path of, you know, reinventing. So, you know, I wasn't going to make it as a dancer anymore, but I always sang. And so, you know, I finished my degree in in theater and musical theater. And I came to New York with a demo tape in my hand and, you know, ready to like have the world meet me. (laughs) You know, it was kind of a weird experience. You know, I'd never really, traveled that much with my family and so moving to New York was a really crazy experience but um you know I figured it out and through that I ended up you know making my career as a professional singer I came to New York and I started hustling figuring out how to make money as a singer and I I did you know commercials and demos and had backing and and worked with record labels and um through that, I got into other forms of, you know, ways to make money. Like I did, you know, commercials and, and um, ended up doing commercial print. And then through that, I took another career change and um, I got into the world of modeling, which was nothing I ever thought of in my entire life. And, um, but through friends that were working, they say, hey, you should go and try out for this. And so I ended up, you know, working in the fashion industry for many years in and out through my musical career as a fit model. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, as, as life started to change and I, I met my husband and, you know, we, we started our family and we had our daughter, Charlotte, my life just kind of took on a different path. You know, I, I wasn't going to be able to just focus on myself and go at the, go to gigs wherever they were and show up. So, yeah, we moved out of the city and we got this crazy house in the country and, and I started to, uh, you know, full-time mom for a couple of years. And um, that's where I started 
to think about jewelry and designing jewelry. I just needed to do something creative, and there was a local class. And um, that was kind of the beginning of it all. So then when that happened, I had gotten a call back from my agent in the city, and they said, look, you know, we're, we're looking for somebody like you. Do you want to come back into the industry? And I was like, well, I don't know. And, you know, we'll see. And so I went out on my first uh, job and job call or interview, you know, it's like an audition. And um, I booked a pretty major client. And then that just kind of took over again. And during that time, I was studying and I was taking jewelry classes. And then that led to metal smithing. And I started studying at Jewelry Arts Institute. So I was still modeling, but I was creating these pieces. And I would just wear my pieces to work. And, you know, I worked with all the designers and pattern makers and manufacturers. And, you know, people would start saying, what is that? Where did you get that? Oh, I love your earrings. Or I love that. And I, I started, you know, at first like, oh, thanks. And then after a while, I was like, well, you know, they're mine. I, I designed these. And then they started buying from me. And that went on, you know, for a while. And then about five years ago, I had started doing shows and I got in a couple of local stores and I was like, you know, I have to do this full time to really, you know, make a go of this. And so I said goodbye to, you know, a great career in the fashion industry and, you know, walked away on my terms, which was really great. And, you know, I had, it was hard because I had such incredible clients, you know, that I worked for and it was, it was really great, but it was time to really make a go of this. And so that's really what started it all. Wow. Hearing your story go from your hopes and dreams and your knowing that you're going to be a performer and at the beginning a dancer and then having a life-changing injury that redirected your path in so many ways. It's so fascinating, and I love hearing stories of rediscovery and new paths and new direction and being open to them that's the first step you just your your heart has to be open to it or you won't see them you won't see those opportunities that are right in front of you but um, in your case to be open to those opportunities to try new things well first of all to have the courage to move to New York City by yourself as a young woman that must have taken a lot of courage and it still does yeah, it was really insane. Um, but I had a lot of friends here that had that had gone to school with me and um, that had come here and were working on Broadway. And, you know, we were all doing everything. We were hustling. You know, mm-hmm. we were cater waitering. We were doing, it's kind of funny, we were doing trade shows. You know, we were doing okay. whatever we could the first couple of years before we could completely support ourselves with, you know, what our art was and uh-huh. what we came here to do. So it was it was an exciting, chaotic, crazy time, but it was it was really great. This podcast kind of grew out of our meeting in New York. Um, it's been about a week now, maybe a, a week and a half. But um, yeah. we had such great conversation, and part of the things that we were talking about that kept on coming back full circle was reinventing yourself, which is seems to be kind of a theme that is always going to be present but like I said you just have to be open to the opportunities so right 
um, now that you have been in the in the stores and you got yourself started very in a small group setting with the people that right. you worked with in your modeling circle you're you've worked yourself into stores and you've done that and um, you did really well with the, your first collection and we've talked some about trends and Trends are really important to catch the attention of the consumer, but at the same time, you have to be really careful not to get stuck in the trap of, you know, chasing trends. Right. Knowing that we have to captivate that attention, how do you avoid following trends that might become oversaturated in the market, but at the same time, you let your passion and your mission guide your collections? How do you, how do, you do that? You know, I think you just have to be really strong about your commitment to what your style is and try not to get swayed by that. It's so hard, you know, because we're all on social media and and you're always looking at things and stuff's constantly popping up on your feed and you're like, you know, it's it's easy to get swayed. But I think the people that are, are really making an impact are people that are committed to what they do and their their mission and their voice and i think that's so important and it's really interesting because in fashion you know if you had a piece that was number one like you know in the garment industry like you know we would do these best sellers and you know then all these other designers of other big companies would go and they'd shop your best seller and then they would Mm -hmm. tweak it but then it became like everything starts looking the same Mm -hmm. and you know jewelry does have a cohesive thing between other designers but I think in your finishing and your stone choices and just little choices that you make as a designer are what set you apart and you just have to stay focused on that and try not to be deterred by you know something you see in the out there in the market right right um share with us a little bit about how your original collection transferred over to your new collection and what what were the some of the inspirations for your newest collection say including the circles of fifth and the stars and the infinity sign yeah well for me i think what i had a real you know aha moment when i was you know working with this other collection i was doing which i was i loved and to this day i still love it you know but it kind of took a life of its own and um you know i was working overseas with manufacturers and i just wanted to bring everything back to manhattan which is where i'm constantly inspired and i wanted control complete control of every step of the process and you know i'm not flying over to asia (laughs) so you know have (laughs) you know not that i don't want to I, i can't wait but um I, I think having control of from the beginning concept to the finished product was really important to me. And also, you know, life is so crazy right now. There's so much going on in the world and you just feel like, how can you make an impact? You know, there's so many things you can can move towards. And I feel like for me, part of the impact was like, you know, I love where I am and 
I love knowing where these stones come from. It's important to me. And so deciding to change my whole direction of these incredible vendors that I've worked with to vendors that have the same vision and mission that I do is like, you know, ethical sourcing, fair wage, you know, knowing that it's coming from a reputable source. And then that really brought me into the U.S. mine gemstones. That's when I first got really inspired by, like, Montana sapphires and knowing the mine that the sapphires I'm getting, knowing which mine it comes from. Mm -hmm. It's just been, like, a huge inspiration for me. And the colors of the stones and the different cuts of the stones and how they each vary. And then, you know, coming from the South, it's like, you know, I grew up with these really awesome grandparents, you know, and we would, we were constantly looking at the stars and talking about the solar system. And, you know, we would find arrowheads. I know that sounds so crazy, but we have a whole collection of arrowheads. And, and then just the infinity symbol for me is like eternal and, and forever. So you know, the symbols and where they come from and the meaning, the subtle meaning they have to me was also an inspiration for the collection. You know, mm-hmm. I really want people, when you're having a tough time or, or when, when you're not feeling so strong or when you, you are feeling like a rock star, you know, you're wearing something that has a subtle symbol that subconsciously reminds you, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of how it all you know, the circle of fifths is just basically a musical term. It's it's a mathematical equation in music of uh, flats. And, you know, I have a obsession with the number five. I can't tell too much, but my oldest friends know about it. And so, you know, a lot of my designs go back or have some reflection of five. And, and you know, five is the number of humanity. So that's like such an obvious thing, but it's also you know, it has a personality of independence and tolerance of change and inspired and unpredictable. And those are all things that I've kind of are part of me. So that's, that's really, um, that's really the inspiration for these, this new collection, you know, making it in Manhattan, having it ethically sourced, and then tying in these meanings that have meaning to me. And I think they also have meaning to other people. So that's really how it all evolved and you know that's where I, I drew the inspiration that. from I love that and now that you have some life experience to look back on things don't you feel yeah. as as a mom and as as an adult having so much career experience you can look back on things and now that you have challenges it's not as scary and those kind of things are just a reflection of just what you said. Life is really exciting yet unpredictable. And yeah. that circle of fifths just resonates with that that whole message with those symbols that you chose to work with, which is is just beautiful. Um, explain to me how and I I'm not a fam- I'm not familiar. You said the number five is the number of humanity or the symbol? Right. Yeah, it, it just references, you know, when we're all born, we have, you know, five fingers, five toes. You could say, okay. you know, the eyes and the nose and the head, five appendages, you know, your okay. legs, your arms. And so that's how it kind of, um, that's why it's, it's 
related to, you know, the sign of humanity, the okay. number of humanity. Got it. So it's the, yeah. it's the physical representation of our, of our body. Our being, of who of we are. Being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And also like the five senses, you know, that's oh, another yeah. part of it, the five senses that we have. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we, we can keep going. <laughs> I know. If it's a good just, number. It is a good number. If we could just make gemstones taste and smell, we would have it all. Because you could touch, see, oh, and listen and hear, make them sing. That would, boy, we'd have it in the bag. <laughs> but sometimes they look so good, you feel like they would taste really good, you know? That's exactly right. <laughs> they're and like delicious. I know. Yeah. That, Isn't that that's, funny? That's really funny because um, I don't tell too many people this, but going back to what inspired me to get involved with gems and jewelry is ever since I was a child, I thought gemstones looked like candy. And of course, what child doesn't like candy? Like, you know, red <laughs> gumdrops and red, green, exactly. yellow. Oh my gosh. So it just, I've been transfixed with them ever since I was a child. And to this day, my mouth waters when I see pictures of beautiful <laughs> gemstones because they look so delicious. I know, right? But it's yeah, so it's tempting. A, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, so for those of you listening, you'll see on my Instagram feed coming up and then in my in my website, I'll be posting some pictures and some highlights from our conversation today of Elizabeth's jewelry and her upcoming collections. So there's a moonstone ring that is just stunning, and the bezel around it has little teeny stars. Um, Another one of my favorites was a signet-style ring with Montana sapphires. So talk to me a little bit about how you came up with the design. I love the bezel with the stars around it. That's so cool. And um, we also talked about some of the imperfections and how you decided to um, not have things in perfect symmetry. Yeah, well, I think the stones, a lot of the stones that I choose, it's kind of one or the other. Like the stones, like the, the one in the moonstone I love is because, you know, moonstones have all these, you know, inclusions and each of them are their own unique personality. And there's kind of like, an imperfect perfection about them like that and labradorites and I I use a lot of aquamarine and I use those kind of raw cut natural not perfectly faceted and shiny and bright and brilliant so I think to this like to the setting you know you have this incredible this the symbol that goes around the bezel but then you have which and it's 18 karat gold and it's recycled gold and it's this really cool finish so that's this perfect piece and then you have this stone that ties into that, which is this kind of earthy, raw, natural vibe. So, you know, I always feel like everything I do is like I try it to be perfect, but it always gets a little imperfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how, you know, that's how all my jewelry is. And for the signet ring, that's like the circle of fifths. So it's not a perfect setting of five. They're in this wave kind of vibe where they're not mathematically laid out like you know, you could draw a plane through it. They're kind of organically set. Mm -hmm. And those stones, like those Montana sapphires, and we also do it with the repurposed diamonds, um, 
those those sapphires are perfectly cut. Those are diamond cut Montana sapphires, and that's why you get this brilliant shine and sparkle when you see it. But the actual gold and piece itself is a little bit raw and more organic and natural. So, you know, that kind of ties into that perfect imperfection, which nice. is so me. <laughs> So, so my vibe. <laughs> it is, and it's very welcoming, and it, um, I think it helps because it takes people's guard down. It, and I love the look of this jewelry because as you were explaining how that all ties together, jewelry, the traditional conventional way of setting jewelry with, you know, a beautifully faceted stone in the middle with, you know, a diamond on either side or just by itself, that's lovely and beautiful. But to some people, it's special. You know, they only wear it on special occasions or it's somewhat untouchable. They think that they can't, they wouldn't ever be able to wear it anywhere. Your jewelry is just so comfortable looking that you could wear it anywhere. You could dress it up. You can dress it down. Um, Thank you. And I think it's just, it's it's more relatable. I think that's a really good way to put it. It's very relatable. Oh, I really appreciate that because that's really what I'm going for. Like the whole thing is that that it is perfect, but it's imperfect. Like I want you to feel, you know, pulled together, but not overdone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. can go out in your great blouse and your jeans and, and you can wear these pieces that are, you know, they are a luxury because they are 18 karat. You can feel the weight. You feel that luxury, but yet they're accessible and they're casual in a way, but they're also, you you know, with the di- just with the stones, they dress them up. So I, I really appreciate that. You got that. That's cute. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. The importance of how precisely cut the Montana sapphires are. When, when you're referring to diamond cut, you're referring to the precision by which most diamonds are faceted. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. really. I mean, Montana sapphires are pretty amazing oh, anyway. Yeah. But you can you can get different cuts that don't. I mean, it's like with any stone, you know, you get these cuts where it doesn't sh- shine or it doesn't have that brilliance. And I think that's what, make these, that's what makes these pieces so special is the precision and the way they cut them. And, um, and they're cut here in the U.S., which is even really exciting. Um, they're mined here and they're cut here. So I just love that. That's wonderful. You know? Do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the pieces that are in your line that you're going to be launching? There's three collections within this new launch, and the the one collection is the Circle of Fifths, and then the Celestial, and then the Infinity. Mm-hmm. And so all of those pieces are using recycled 18-karat gold, and you know we do all that here in the city, and then all the finishing and and all that is done here, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, right now it's, it's like, even though I've been in business, it's kind of, it's a different price point. So it's kind of like starting over, but you know, we're really putting the burner on because, you know, I've already have certain relationships that are established. So, um, 
everything will be up on the site in the end of September, and then we're using this time, I'm using this time to really get it out there and start showing it to more and more people. The response has been, you know, great. You're, you're like, you're getting a sneak peek, which is super awesome. Yes. And, um, you know, I've done trade shows, and I, I really like trade, trade shows. I mean, it really launched my other collection. And so uh, in, in the winter, the first of the winter, we're gonna do, I'm going to do a big trade show then. And, um, yeah, creating the buzz now, it's, it's starting to happen. So it's really exciting. And thank you for letting – you're my first podcast ever. So it's exciting <laughs> to come and talk to you about this and um, share it with you. Yes, me too. And it, it couldn't have been better timing. Um, I think getting this into people's minds so that they can start watching for it, I think is really cool. Um, one piece that you showed me that I just was so mesmerized by were the pair of turquoise earrings with Kingman turquoise. Tell right. us a little bit about that and your, um, your use of turquoise in the past and what's going on with turquoise right now. Yeah, so I I was obsessed with Sleeping Beauty turquoise, as many people are. Mm -hmm. And I think the first show that I ever went to in Arizona, I immediately, the first booth I stopped in was this guy who had, you know, incredible Sleeping Beauty turquoise. And he was telling me that the mine was about to shut down. And so I just bought all this, the Sleeping Beauty turquoise. And I love it. And it did really well for me. You know, it was definitely a staple and something that I would use in each, you know, collection I designed for the season. And, you know, all of the Southern ladies, we, we wear turquoise all year round. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a seasonless yes. thing for us. Some people think of turquoise only in the summer and spring, but, you know, Southern ladies, we, we love our turquoise. We like that color. <laughs> right. So I was, look, you know, I was looking for an alternative. You know, I know that I had some of the Persian turquoise and I, like two years ago, I first got introduced to Kingman turquoise, and I always want to call it Kingsman turquoise because it seems so grammatically incorrect to call mm -hmm. it Kingman. But, um, yeah, I started using that, and I really love it because it has, it, it has that bright, brilliant blue as Sleeping Beauty, but it, it has a lot of these different colors inside of it. And, yeah, that's just one of the stones that I absolutely love. We're also putting that into some of the cab rings with the – infinity sign around it and um and then those earrings are really I've always done drops I love drops and they're just so light and delicate and then they have the star at the top with a little repurposed diamond so I, I just you know I really love turquoise and I also have that same earring in um a pink coral which is really cool too because it has a lot of different swirls in it as well so yeah, it just also goes along with that American mine gemstone yeah. vibe that yeah. I'm, you know, passionate about. Yeah, and it's interesting. When I first saw it, I thought, is that like a composite? Did someone just like put together, melt a bunch of stuff together and make it look like like turquoise? But it's beautiful. It has such a beautiful variety of um, colors, including like silver and like a goldish color. It's really rich and organic looking, um, but it's a really pretty stone. I'm excited to see it in the rings too. 
Yeah, I mean, some of them have more of like the brown in it. So it's like each piece is one of a kind because they all have their own personality because the stones are, you know, all cut individually. So that's what I like about it. And, um, you know, then it also lends itself to you feeling like you have that piece that nobody else has. Mm, so that's kind of... Because it's so different. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really yeah. exciting. I can't wait to see more of that because those earrings are just gorgeous. What are some of the other things that you're doing besides trade shows to get your jewelry out there? I feel like there's still a bunch of really cool small boutiques that um, are part of communities. And um, some, many of the stores that I, I was in and that I – there's two stores in particular that I'm still working with where – you know, they've allowed me to kind of slowly introduce a piece here and there. And it's been great because it's like a testing ground. But the bottom line is calls, <laughs> getting mm-hmm. in front of people. You know, it starts with just making the calls. And as hard as it is because, you know, my creative self is always, you know, you're, you're sensitive. But I feel so passionate about this line. The calls have been coming pretty easy. And, you know, we're setting up meetings and, um, you know, it's just starting the conversation. It's, it's rare that you walk in the door and they're just blown away by you. <laughs> I mean, you know, people seem to respond, but, you know, there, there's tons of calls every day. I just had a meeting in North Carolina with uh, people we've been talking to for years, and it was, it was awesome. It's like starting the conversation in the relationships and, you know, doing trunk shows with them. Let's test it out. Let's see how it goes. And even big stores like Bergdorf's, you know, they have designers that are doing trunk shows there, but don't sell their brand in their cases. So I think you just got to hustle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like you said, it, it's experimental. You do have to kind of, you know, get it out there and get it in front of people and on them and get feedback and get the word out for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, trunk shows are great because people can pick up your pieces. And, you know, online sales is amazing and it's it's awesome. And I think that's the way we're going. But I think there's still a need for people to come in and pick it up. And I also think it, it makes those buyers, like the people that buy from me online have either met me. I, I do get some people that will just buy. But most of the buyers and the repeat buyers are people that have met me at events, met me at shows seen my jewelry, tried it on, picked it up, and held it. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. You need to be in stores, and those buyers there can also be directed to your website, and you get those direct-to-consumer sales as well. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything. I don't think it's like one map of which way it's going to go and sell. And it's also finding the right combination of of people with you that, that share your vision and promote you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's, you know, really a big part of it. So right now we are hustling. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're just trying to get it out there to the world and the feedback so far has been great. And, right. um, so I'm really excited. It's, it's an exciting time. I'm fall, summer's coming to an end and, and, you know, fall is ready to, ready to take it on. So do you feel like you have an advantage in New York City because, of course, there is a denser population, but do you use your location to your advantage to get into stores? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting because when I, I, when I got in all the other stores, they were all over the place, and I just didn't understand. Like, I couldn't just show up. I just didn't have 
the means to show up in, you know, Calabasas and then down in Orlando. I mean, the East Coast is easier and places I could drive. But now it's so great because I'm just wandering into the stores that I love and starting conversations. And then it's great because then you get a name. And, and I, I can see as well which store I think is a perfect fit, a better mm-hmm. fit. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just don't know. Sometimes people, it might not seem like an obvious fit and, for some reason it is, but it's, it's really cool to go in and see the other collections and see how they promote their designers. And, you know, in New York city, there's so many great stores and I didn't really, I didn't really focus on that last time. I was just trying to focus on all the stores that were buying for me, but this time around having it here has been really positive. Okay. Because you can see it. You can have a little bit more control. So I would say for other designers, you know, use your local area as much as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because then you can build that relationship. Yeah, that's so important is building those relationships. And just like you said, you just keep going in and checking in with the ones that you feel like are a good fit. Um, Is there one boutique in particular that was a surprise to you that, they were a, a good fit. Yeah, there's one out west that um, has been incredible. I didn't even know the area, and um, somebody from my past who used to be in the business was like, "I really love your line," and you know, I have a relationship with some stores, and so we just started this whole thing where she was walking it in. We did a trunk show. They placed a big order after the trunk show. And it's been about a year and a half now. And so when I started, you know, developing these newer pieces at a different price point, um, it was great. I was able to introduce these and she's placed, you know, a second order on several of those pieces. So um, I had no idea, (laughs) you know, about this area. I mean, you know, you know, you know, the big cities and stuff, but apparently this is like really, first of all, she's a really cool, you know, boutique owner and, um, yeah. And her clientele are these super chic, cool, understated, but, you know, sophisticated crowd. And it's, it's really great. It's it's been really awesome. So there's two stores in this area, even though they're different owners, kind of the same vibe. Mm -hmm. So that's been really great. And, and, you know, they're sticking with us and allowing us to test things. So it's, it's cool. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, I think we need, we need more of those kind of shop owners who have an open mind and are willing to experiment and play with things. And that's so exciting, Elizabeth. Yeah, it's been great. I, you know, just every time you do this and you meet new store owners and and you develop relationships, you just, you just learn so much and and it just helps you do it even better the next store and the next store, you know, just about getting out there and, and not feeling so bad. I think what happened before was, you know, some of the stores I felt like I was just so excited they were buying, but I didn't know if they were the right fit. So it's like, you know, that kind of goes back to, you know, your vision and, and, and my vision and, and not being, try to be everything to everyone. So I think it's great when you have those stores that really share that and, and you can really grow together. I think that's really important. That's really smart. Um, I think that that's 
a factor that a lot of people might forget because you do get so excited that a that a store would say, "Hey, yeah, I'll I'll show that." But you do have to um, step back a little bit and review your vision, review whether or not it's going to be a good fit because you want to base your experience on a solid foundation of support for both people, for both yourself and the store. Um, So that's really smart. I was just going to ask you what would be one of your biggest points of advice, but I think that we could probably say that that's a a really good tip for um, (laughs) new emerging and experienced designers is to just make sure you're being true to yourself and true to your collection. Yeah, and I think also don't be afraid to ask questions. (laughs) Mm. You know, like if a piece isn't doing well, I want to know what's the feedback. Like, you know, if a piece does really well, of course, that's so exciting. But, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to ask the buyers and the store owners, you know, how's this doing? You know, and that doesn't mean it stops you. It just gives you more insight and and try to find out, you know, how to work with them. Like, what do they need? What are they looking for? Do they need Mm -hmm. me to give them training on the pieces? You Mm -hmm. know, that kind of stuff. It's kind of interesting to really dig deeper into that whole process. But I think it's kind of important. That is really important. I think... um it might, it might be the case where we show up, set it up, and hope it does okay. But um, touching base and really getting getting your hands dirty a little bit, and like you said, asking questions and finding out why something might not be getting the response that you had hoped it would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us as far as upcoming events or um, anything about your collection before I do um, our closing thoughts? Yeah, well, I just, you know, I hope everybody follows me on Instagram because I'm I'm kind of giving little sneak peeks here and there and, you know, sign up for my email list and, and then they'll have a better understanding of, you know, where we're, where I'm going to be and, and what's happening. And, and um, you know, I, I just really appreciate it. It was so great to meet you. We've been, you know, corresponding and, you know, it's just really awesome to be, you know, talking to you and, you know, be included with these incredible designers and, and hearing their stories as well. I really appreciate you telling the stories and, you know, giving a platform for us to talk about what we do. It's really awesome. So thank, I, I thank you. you for that, Brenna. Oh. You're, you're a cool lady. Thank you very much. Um, it's it's a way for me to, to be involved a little bit deeper. And um, my passion is to share unique jewelry. And it's being produced by amazing people with amazing stories. So it's a real pleasure to be able to share them. Thank you very much. So what is your, tell everybody your Instagram handle so they can be sure to go and follow you. So it's Elizabeth Moore, NYC. And then my, my website is just elizabethmoore.com. Okay. And, you know, Facebook is elizabethmoore.com. Is, I mean, Elizabeth Moore as well. And, um, Brenna, I had to tell you, you know how we were talking about reinventing? I had to share after you and I, we were talking about the whole flight thing and the airline industry. Yeah. You know, the first commercial I ever did was for JetBlue. No, really? <laughs> oh I, mean, I, I thought about that. 
that after we spoke the other day. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's really funny. And a friend of mine who was a, a performer, he became a flight attendant for JetBlue. And I remember he said, oh, my God, your commercial, they're playing it all the time. But, yeah, it was a, it was a commercial, and it was funny because it was I had to have a New York accent. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I spent a whole year about speech to get rid of my Southern accent and to learn how to go into an audition without <laughs> Southern Aww. accent. So the, the commercial, I had to have a New York accent. So when I got the job and everything, the director was like, yeah, that's really funny. And I said, you know, you know, I'm not even from New York. You know, I'm from North Carolina. You have a Southern, <laughs> but it was just really funny. But I just thought that was so, um, I, I wanted to tell you that since we were talking about our whole, you know, the flying and your, your past and reinvention and, and what you did in the industry and growing up and stuff. So I oh, that was kind of funny. That's really cool. Um, for those of you who don't know, I think I touched on it a little bit in my introduction. I flew as a flight attendant for American Airlines for about a decade and um, met my husband and started a family and then got back into jewelry and kind of reinvented myself here with Jewelry Navigator. But that's kind of how Elizabeth and I started on this discussion and how wonderfully it would tie into telling her story about how in different seasons of our life, it's either necessary or it's just kind of spontaneous that we reinvent ourselves and our direction. So this conversation has been so wonderful to continue on and I can't wait to con watch your continuing transformation and reinventions with this new collection. Thank you, Brenna. I really appreciate that. So welcome. Appreciate all the support. And happy summer. We have just a short week left, so <laughs> let's I enjoy know. it. I know, yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and um, can't wait to share more of your jewelry and your story. And it's perfect timing. Thank you, Brenna. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. I really enjoyed both of my visits with Elizabeth, both in person and here on the podcast. It was a pleasure and so exciting to hear how she's tied in so much meaning in her new collection and how it's launching a new direction in her whole new jewelry design career. So I'm really excited to watch that grow. Um, please watch her Instagram feed as well as mine and subscribe to her newsletter because that will give you the schedule of where her trunk shows are. And for all of you in the New York area, I'm sure she'll be somewhere close to where you are. So um, stop by and see her jewelry and take some pictures, tag me in them. I'd love to see her jewelry out on the town and um, see who's lucky to be getting brand new Elizabeth Moore pieces. So until next time, cross check your sparkle. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.